You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Uh, my co-host Cody Owen was not able to make it, but I've got a very special guest, Stephanie Elia of Elia uh, Business Services. Um, Stephanie, if you haven't met her yet, is one of the new certified advisors for Service Autopilot. She can be found under the Help tab, Certified Advisors. Um, and Stephanie, Stephanie's been in the um, pest control industry, actually owned her own business, her own pest control business, and has been an expert in QuickBooks dating back to 1997. Um, so she's got a wide variety of experience how to handle a service business set up in QuickBooks as far as chart of accounts, credits, debits, you name it. We're going to get into it today. If you have any questions or comments, drop them below and we'll be answering them live. And if you're watching the recorded version, Stephanie and I will be taking a look at um, the recorded comments as well and, and try to cycle back and answer those questions. Um, so Stephanie, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here and, um, you know, helping the SA community. Um, if, if someone has not run across in the, the help tab or, um, you know, on an offline uh, communication, would you mind giving us a little history about yourself and uh, maybe how you got in the pest control industry and now where that's transitioned to uh, helping out certified uh, as a certified advisor at Service Autopilot? Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, pretty much. There's a little bit of feedback here. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I can hear you right. Okay, great. Um, everything that I've done has been in the financial end of a company. Um, I started out uh, many moons ago working for a turnaround consulting firm, and I was their numbers cruncher. And um, I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, we used Lotus 123. This was before Windows, before online, um, a while back. But I loved it. I always loved looking at numbers. And starting out in the consulting industry, I saw how to look at numbers, not just at the bottom line, but to actually see the story about the numbers. Uh, from there, I went on to be a controller of different companies. I was general manager of an interior scape company. And it was at that time that I started my pest control company, which I had for 15 years before I sold it. Um, I was just one of those crazy workaholics. I just work, 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 work. You know, there just weren't enough hours in the day. And um, I mean, six days a week, seven days a week. And I didn't realize how out of control that had become for me until my husband retired. He was a uh, Boston police officer. And when he retired, he, you know, he was at home, he was learning to cook, he was visiting friends, visiting family. And was just go, 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 go all the time. And frankly, I think I was jealous <laughs> that he was at, at home. But uh, I just woke up, kind of cliche, but I woke up one day and just said, this is nuts. This is too crazy. And um, I need to put the brakes on it. So in a very short period of time, I resigned my position. I sold my shares of the pest control company to my partner. I'm still involved, but not as an owner. And uh, my husband and I, we went to Aruba and spent some time relaxing. And it was the first time that I was able actually to just to relax and breathe. And the only thing I worried about was what time the bar opened. You know? So then I came back refreshed and I uh, got started with the Elia Business Services doing what I love. Another cliche, but it's true. I, I love what I do, so I don't think of it as work. No, and I love it. I, I couldn't relate any anymore. I, you know, similar story. I was working 100 plus hours a week, and uh, 
after, after a divorce, had a, had a look inward of what I liked and didn't like about my life. And one of the things I hated was my business because I was a slave to it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very, very understandable. And, uh, you know, a, a trip to Aruba with uh, maybe some breakfast beers will uh, we'll definitely put there some you go. <laughs> so I can appreciate that. Um, as we're diving in, we had, you know, some questions pre-submitted and we've got a couple of viewers here live and obviously going to be in the recording. Um, but I guess the first thing I wanted to look at was um, maybe just laying some foundation for uh, best practices or bookkeeping. What are some of the common mistakes you see and maybe some of the wins um, on the flip side of that as far as uh, when you're first starting out with QuickBooks or an accounting software? What would be your best practices to uh, start out for success? Sure. Well, you want to make sure you have the proper chart of accounts because that is the foundation for the financial statements that you're looking at. Um, when dealing with the chart of accounts, if you do it right the first time, it can grow with you. I Less is more. And um, in recent years, less is definitely more. Although your CPA really just wants your revenue and your cost of goods sold. So that's a bit too extreme, I suggest uh, your main revenue streams, um, say for in lawn and lawn care, you would have uh, installation, maintenance, and maybe snow, and then corresponding cost of goods sold for the installation, maintenance, and so. And then for your expenses, you just have your overhead expenses. Tailor it to your company, but best practices is to tailor it so that you can get the reports at the end of the accounting period that make the most sense to you. Don't just take the reports that came with the program. Work with your bookkeeper to figure out what is it that you wanna see at the end of each accounting period that helps you make good decisions moving forward. Well, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think uh, when I first started out pushing a lawnmower around the neighborhood, uh, freshman year in high school, uh, just to earn some gas money and some insurance money for the car, um, believe it or not, it was uh, back in 1997 uh, when I graduated high school and uh, went to college. We, we started, uh, my buddy got me on QuickBooks and I, I got to agree with less is more. Uh, in, in, but as far as the detail and the customers and making sure the data is input the right, time, right way the first time, um, mm -hmm. We really had a massive overhaul and cleaning thing up. We still had Mrs. Smith uh, at the corner of, you know, South and Maine, one of our first customers. <laughs> it was pretty crazy how ugly and how dirty QuickBooks got so quickly. So um, I think one of the main takeaways here, that at least I'm taking away, because I'm a, a new person starting business, is, um, you know, set out that chart of accounts, think about it as you grow, but keep it simplistic. Um, and it, one of the things I want to dive into is common mistakes. But before we hop into that, now uh, you touched on it, I think, um, if I was reading between the lines, it's breaking out revenue uh, for each each de you know um, department or division. So um, I know a lot of people that are in the Northeast do snow removal. So that's a completely almost separate business and overhead recovery structure than mm -hmm. landscape maintenance. If you're down south and maybe doing hardscaping and, and uh, landscape maintenance, so those overhead recovery uh, numbers are completely different. So do you recommend far as things is breaking into classes and associating the income and the associated expense per class separately? What would be the best practice around something like that you'd recommend coming from the service background? I would absolutely use classes and classes give you um, also the opportunity to break things out this way instead of just this way. So for example, in the pest control industry, you know, obviously we wanted to track, uh, termite versus you know one-offs versus maintenance and contracts. But then as a class, we would have residential and business. So 
you could run reports saying, what is my residential versus my business? Or you could run reports saying, what is my maintenance contract? And you can, with classes, you can go deeper and deeper without messing too much with the chart of accounts. And you can add classes as you need. You can delete them, merge them as you need. You know, that is, can be a, a flowing process. Okay, and I, and I wish somebody had told me about classes, so that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up because it was multiple years later. Um, and, and to put perspective, I think maybe to add what you just said too, is a lot of times we're seeing when uh, larger companies are going out to acquire other companies. So I just had the pleasure to go to Lawn and Landscape Magazine's top 100 companies, the whole United States. And one of the big focus was mergers and acquisitions. Well, the, the one of the things they really talked about was breaking things into classes um, per division, residential versus commercial. Um, because as they went in, they wanted that granularity to see where the profit centers were and where they weren't. And by doing so, even if you're out looking to sell your business, um, it's going to give you the, the perspective as a business owner to actually dive in and see, hey, is this landscaping division or is this maintenance division driving the revenue or is it really just pulling down my bottom line? But when it's really muddy, um, and they highlighted it at the conference, that that was a major issue that we really need to focus on each division and have the associated overhead associated with the class. So that, that's great, great advice. Um, so on the flip side of that, Stephanie, what would be some of the common mistakes you see as people are setting up QuickBooks, whether it's a first time person or down the line? Um, and I think maybe it's different. Is there a difference as uh, far as common mistakes in best practice versus QuickBooks online or desktop? I know we're going to talk about the versions later, so you don't have to dive in too granular, but just kind of curious if one of those mistakes is associated with one of the others you're going through it. Well, the first What's mistake the first we've already covered, and that is the chart of accounts. The chart of accounts just taking the chart of accounts that comes with the program uh, without personalizing it to you. As far as um, major mistakes that I see with companies is the first one is doing the books themselves. An owner that does, and I'm not saying that there aren't owners out there that aren't capable of doing the books themselves. They may not be up on all of the recent software or rules and regulations, but they shouldn't be doing the books themselves. They should be out there, especially in a service industry. If they're the face of their company, they should be out servicing their clients or being the face of the company and not taking that valuable time and doing their books. On the other extreme are owners that just hand off the books and they don't have anything to do with their books. They're like, I have a bookkeeper. I check in with her, you know, once a quarter, find out what my sales tax were or what I need to do for estimated tax payments. But I'll worry about that at year end with the CPA. That's equally as dangerous. So I recommend something right in the middle, finding a good, good bookkeeper that you can work with, but that also knows that they work for you. So if cash flow is important, then you need to say to your bookkeeper, I want an accounts receivable agent every Friday, or I want a list of the problem clients. Um, tailor what you want and work with your bookkeeper to make sure that you are asking the right questions and that bookkeeper is providing the right answers for you. And the questions may change from season to season, you know, with snow. You know, <laughs> here in Boston a couple of years ago, we had 10 feet of snow. Last year we didn't, you know. You don't want to run out and buy all kinds of equipment. Look at the books, see how your cash flow is, see if it's worth it. So in tied into that, would you recommend as best practice, maybe having that bookkeeper uh, create some historical reports as far as cash flow and um, different balance sheets. So we can see what we did in a historical 
fashion from year to year to year leading in, especially, I mean, you, you mentioned the four letter word snow, which I'm back <laughs> anxiety over here. So thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Cause I'm telling you that, 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 that needs us to wait to November, but I think you hit a good point where um, we talked about it with another uh, consultant was on the line is uh, Jason Cup about cash flow and receivables, especially with last year, a lot of contractors. Um, and I don't want to say I was shielded from it. We, cash flow was tight. I'll be candid about it because uh, we'd hit these commercial clients back to back to back storms and, and they didn't have the cash flow to pay the bills. So if mm -hmm. we had those systems in place and were ahead of it before it became a problem, um, that's a big issue. So I'm assuming best practice is maybe having a somewhat uh, service oriented bookkeeper that, that knows these ins and outs and in the, in the influxes of cash flow and can kind of be aware of those red flags before you get yourself into that hot water in that tight cash spot. Well, you definitely want to find a bookkeeper that knows the industry that you're in. I mean, they have to be able to know and work with you in, like you said, the snow or the lawn care or pest control. Because if they're just printing out reports and giving them to you, then you're not using that information to make educated decisions. You know, as far as the snow, with the bookkeeping, they might be able to provide you information um, at the end of the season last year. This is, this is how much money you had sitting out there. And I know how difficult it is working with uh, property management companies and condo associations and just trying to get paid because it, it, well, it's impossible sometimes. So, sorry about that. Didn't mean to cause a problem. <laughs> Coming into the new season, go back and look at what happened last season and use that information to go forward. Try to get some deposits or work out some, you know, contracts where you have equal installment payments over X amount of time. Awesome. Great, great advice. And I guess kind of diving into it, I know um, I've historically been a desktop user uh, with the service autopilot sync. We've been using well, QuickBooks desktop since 97 mm -hmm. or so. Um, with the, the secondary business I have, Simple Growth as an SA uh, advisor, uh, we're using QuickBooks online. So they are kind of night and day, um, in my opinion, mm -hmm. especially coming old school to kind of new school. Um, do you, I mean, could you speak to the differences, the pros and cons, what you would advise? Um, and then maybe we'll circle back. Um, I can give some perspective about the different features of the online sync versus a desktop sync with quick uh, with service autopilot uh, to put some perspective there. But I'm kind of curious as a high level, um, what are your thoughts on both platforms? What's a good fit for each type of business, pros and cons? Where, where sure. do you make that decision? Or if you're on one and you may be thinking about switching to the other, is there a benefit there? Or what's that look like? Well, the first thing to keep in mind is that they're completely separate products. And so when people are working at desktop and they say, well, I'm going to go to the cloud now, it's not the same product that's in the cloud. And those are the people that get frustrated and they say, I hate QuickBooks Online. And, you know, they're so different. One may be appropriate for one client and one may be appropriate for a different client. Um, five years ago, asked which one is better, I probably would have said desktop. But QuickBooks Online has evolved. They listen, just like SA, they listen to what the people are saying, what they want, they get the developers on it. And the product now is, it plays nicely with a lot of apps, which is one thing that I love about QuickBooks Online. It has a great, uh, as you probably know, the, the bank feeds and the credit card feeds, um, I think are superior. But the desktop is still, you know, people that are using enterprise and they're that syncs with a field service management software that needs enterprise or another um, not cloud-based. 
than I'm getting beside myself here, but basically they're two separate products. Now you can take what you want from QuickBooks desktop and create that atmosphere in QuickBooks online in most situations. If that okay. makes sense. So is there any um, drawbacks as far as how robust QuickBooks uh, online is versus desktop far as um, maybe reporting or, or different features? Is it things like based on the size of the business or is there a particular size of business maybe that uh, a million or two million or 10 million would be better off suited for desktop versus online? Is there different breakpoints or is it is it all fair game no matter what? I don't think revenue really has anything to do with it anymore. Uh, QuickBooks Online has gained a lot of functionality in the last few years. It's really more of how you're going to use it. Um, I have a zoo as a client and they're on QuickBooks Online and they were on just desktop for years. And um, about three years ago, I brought them to QuickBooks Online. And um, it's really about functionality and every day, out there in the atmosphere or the app world, <laughs> there's more add-ins and plugins and apps that work with QuickBooks Online, not as much as QuickBooks Desktop, because that's where the focus is, it seems like, is the online world. And so now you have all of these different uh, timesheet companies that are working and they sync with QuickBooks Online. Um, and I know uh, Service Autopilot now obviously has the the desktop uh, two-way sync. We've been using that in our business for probably the last five, six years minimal. Uh, um, great success with that. A uh, little bit of a learning curve, obviously. Um, they've just come out with the online sync. So if, if you're not unaware of that, check it out. Uh, I'm not sure where they're at uh, with that development, but I, I've seen it out working with some SA clients that we've been dealing with. Um, haven't had the pleasure of using it myself yet, but that that that, that functionality is there now in this ecosystem. If you're using SA, we're looking at using SA. I know if you're brand new and buying a brand new service autopilot app right now, they definitely can set that up and they have um, basically certain people at SA to do nothing but QuickBooks online or desktop integration. So that 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 functionality is there. Um, it kind of diving a little bit deeper into the QuickBooks game. Um, we touched on a little bit, setting up a chart of accounts. Uh, is there any, Key takeaways that if somebody's just starting out or really wants to revamp their QuickBooks, what would be your suggestion as far as breaking out a chart of accounts that makes sense for a service business? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Want a free guide to secrets of simple growth automation? Head over to www.startsimplegrowth.com and click Get Started. We'll deliver our guide to your messenger. Plus, enter to win a free estimator chatbot. I would say, I would say start, start. I'm getting that feedback. Is that from my end or your end? You're on right now. If it keeps up, I'll let you know. We'll refresh it. Okay. All right. Um, as far as setting up a chart of accounts, I would go to what you want to look at at the end of the day. So think about what type of reports you want, what type of... Um, revenue streams you have, what your main cost of sales going to be, what, what is your overhead, and then back into the chart of accounts that way. Uh, you don't need, for instance, um, under utilities, phone, gas, electric, under phone, um, separate, Nextel, Sprint, wireless. 
unless there's a reason why you want all of those, it's just not necessary. So if you want to know how much you pay Sprint versus Verizon, you can go to the vendor center and check that. So think about what you want to look at and what's important at the end of the day. And a good rule of thumb that I use is um, the resume. No one wants to look at a four page resume. Think about your chart of accounts. It's going to create your profit and loss statement and your balance sheet at the end of the day. You don't want to have five pages of that. You want to have it one, maybe two page. And then your detail can come from programs like Service Autopilot, where you can detail out all the different products and services and what you made on that. You don't need all of that as your revenue. Pick your main ones there. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you were back to the future looking at my chart of accounts before we cleaned them up. <laughs> I literally had Carlos, Jose, Susie, and you name it listed. Oh, yeah. Employees for field labor. And it was a disaster. So I think hooking up with the right bookkeeper that, that has this in mind, whether you're cleaning it up or starting from fresh, I couldn't agree more because I mean, it, our QuickBooks was so granular. It was a mess because it was overwhelming where you could go into the vendor center. You could go into these different areas and really dial out and expand that. Um, but at a high level, you really just want to see those big top categories. So I, I couldn't agree Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Um, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. And a lot of the QuickBooks cleanups that I do, I'm not adding anything. When I'm doing cleanups, I'm getting rid of and merging. A lot of that is just merge, 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 and kind of refocusing where the revenue, the cost of goods sold, the overhead is, so that we have a coherent report at the end of the month that makes sense. Okay, and, and maybe a question. Maybe this would be a good question for a lot of the, a lot of the users too. A lot of people um, were unaware, or maybe still unaware, um, is a tax write-off. So basically, if you're buying uh, gasoline at the, the pump, you're paying tax on it. Uh, there's a difference for off-road fuel and on-the-road fuel. So you can you can apply a uh, tax credit for all the fuel used off-road. Mm -hmm. Back at the end of the year, we saved a company we were doing some consulting with. Uh, he went back three years and refiled his tax. I think it was like seven or eight thousand dollars. Got a check for it. it was astounding. It was a big company. Uh, but now, would you suggest getting to some kind of granularity of that way? Uh, whether it's, it's a chart of account or classes, how would you how would you track something like that so you don't muddy the books, but you're still tracking what you're using um, for the machines versus the trucks around the road? Sure. Um, I would have a separate expense account, one for off-road fuel and one for on-road fuel, because then you can run a report at the end and give it to your CPA to get that tax break. Um, some people don't want to have a separate one. And in that case, what I do is in the memo field, so it'll, it'll be say diesel, um, or fuel. In the memo, I'll start with on or off, and then I'll put down however many gallons they had, and I'll, I'll, I'll also note the price um, so we could track the variances there. And then for that particular client that didn't want two separate expense accounts, at the end of the year, I just went to the fuel account, downloaded into Excel, sorted by on or off, and then we had our figures there. Awesome, great advice. And uh, before we hop into like, well, I guess maybe we'll maybe dive right into it. So far as like, now that we've got all this in, it's at the end of the month, end of the quarter, maybe end of the day. I don't, I, I'm going to play dumb to this because see what your, your opinion on this is. I, I have a few of my own opinions, but I, I think uh, we probably line up almost identically. Uh, what are the key financial reports that you're looking at? Are you, look, are you creating a budget inside uh, QuickBooks? Are you doing a balance sheet? Are you doing a statement of cash flows? 
Um, and it, it sounds like once you've set up that chart of accounts, you've picked whether your QuickBooks online or desktop, um, we, we've stuck to these best practices. I'm assuming we got to pull some data out of that, out of that system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, at the end of each month, I would suggest um, the profit and loss, let you know how things are doing. And I would do it on an accrual basis. Um, so you're looking at what you actually earned, not what you co collected. Just sure. if anybody's watching is not um, familiar what cash accounting or accrual accounting is, do you want to give us a quick breakdown just so as we're kind of talking about this as an understanding? Yep. Yep, sure. Um, accrual accounting is based on what you have earned. So therefore, it's what you invoiced. Um, you went out and you did a job and you invoiced for it, regardless of whether you've collected the money or not. And on the flip side for expenses, if you get a bill from a vendor, you enter the bill and you at that point are recognizing the expense, regardless of whether you paid the bill or not. In cash accounting, you would recognize that revenue at the time that the money is received. And on the flip side, when you pay a vendor, then you would recognize the expense at the time that you actually cut it. But that can, that can throw your profits, profit and loss off from time period to time period because um, say you, well, let's take this, the, the snow, <laughs> and you have $50,000 in labor one week because of a big snow event. So you have $50,000 expense or cost of goods sold but you don't get paid for three months for that. So in the week of the snow event, you have a huge loss. And then when you receive the money several months down the line, it looks like you have a huge profit. So you kind of want to match, it's called the matching principle. You want to match the revenue and the expense to the same time period. Okay, and, and I'm assuming you're probably, you're sticking to GAP, general account, accepted accounting mm -hmm. principle. And when you're going out to find a good bookkeeper, um, and we're going to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We know we touched on it, but um, I mean, I'm assuming this is a conversation if somebody hired yourself or another bookkeeper that um, you, these are questions you're going to want to ask this bookkeeper or even accountant at this point. Um, when are we looking at cash statements? When are we looking at a curl? Exactly. Are they following general accepted accounting principles or gap? Um, and, and how is that look, looked at? Um, and maybe cash flow projections. I mean, um, I, I'm assuming you would, would, it, would my assumption be correct is you're, if you're doing budgeting and historical cash flows, or at least um, profit loss, you're going to probably want to look at the accrual, not the cash flow or the cash statements? Absolutely. Be, you know, a lot of companies, especially small to medium-sized companies, are on a cash basis for tax purposes. So a good, a good bookkeeper has got to know the difference, and they want to give you your reports in the accrual so you can see how you're doing but keep in mind that you are on a cash basis for taxes for a lot of my clients i'll give them a profit and loss at the end of the month both one for accrual so they can see how they did and see if their gross margins are in line but also a cash one so they so i can say to them you know in numbers here you did two hundred thousand dollars last month but you only collected 100,000. So wouldn't that be great if you had that whole 200,000? But I want to stop here and, and go back to your question about the different um, financial statements that we look at, because it's really not just the profit and loss statement. And that's a big mistake that a lot of business owners make. They only look at the profit and loss, the bottom line, without looking at the total package, which includes... 
statement of cash flows. And um, hopefully you have a budget and a budget versus actual. And I, I, I like to take things a little bit deeper. I give a, a financial, for instance, a profit and loss. We look at last accounting period, so last month, compare it to the previous period, compare it to the previous year, and then also throw in a column for year to date. So you have one picture and you can see, are things trending up? Are things trending down? What's the difference between last year? All kind of in one report. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the positive things, I'm not sure if you just hit on or not, but there's it, it a little checkbox in those reports where you can do a percentage change so that that will jump out mm -hmm. like a red flag. Like, wow, this just went up 200% this year. What happened? Where is what happened from last year to this year into 2018? Um, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. We do something very, very similar in our business um, on at least a monthly basis to make sure we're hitting those. Um, it, it, one thing yeah. it kind of made me think about is do you ever recommend or have clients request a pro forma, uh, maybe cash flow trailing for the next 12 months, projecting yes. out as we're looking yes. at what does that look at? You could probably put some better context to what that is and explain it. But sure, uh, sure. Um, you have your budget but also you can take the budget and turn it into projections. And, you know, they are different. A budget might be, this is what we have budgeted for the year that we can spend in each department. But a projection would be, this is what we're projecting to do. And I like to do a rolling budget, which what it says is, so for the first few months of the year, this is what our budget, this is what we did. So now I'm gonna adjust the budget based on what we've already done. So as each month goes by, I'm updating the rolling budget so that by the end of the year, the, it equals the projection. So you're constantly projecting what the end of the year is going to look like. Okay. And I think that it, it, I'm not going to say I wasn't one of these people in the beginning. We, we had a pretty interesting story where I was running job cost reports and those KPIs uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, if not at least monthly after that divorce, I uh, started running my business and I will candidly admit it uh, by the business bank account balance, uh, which I'm going to tell you is personal is a no, no. We lost probably 65 or $70,000 in eight months. Um, but if we'd been running these reports as we always had done in the past, um, and I knew if I always had about a hundred grand in the bank, plus or minus cash flow, we were pretty much where we were at. That's where we were. So the, we had six figures in the bank pretty much consistently throughout the eight months of the summer. Uh, but the problem, well, it wasn't necessarily a problem. It was a good thing. Our receivables had been so good that we were actually getting the money well in advance of uh, when those bills were due. So by the time we got to November, December, we ran that final report. I was 65, 75 grand in the hole. So uh, my personal advice, anybody watching this, Stephanie is just killing it as far as the detail and how to go about this on a consistent basis. So my personal opinion would be uh, don't do what I did that one year when I was in bad spot in life. Make sure you're running these reports. And if you're not comfortable, you know, don't bend over to, I believe the, the saying is, you know, don't step over a dollar to save a penny. Hire exactly. That can get you to where you need and have a, a, an unbiased look at this is probably the smartest thing I did in my business. Um, even though I'm, I'm pretty savvy with the numbers, it's better to have an unbiased set of eyes, double checking it and guiding you through the process. So yeah. uh, I, I really, I really, really appreciate your candidness and how to really dive into that. Um, so if someone is totally new to this and this is completely overwhelming and they're like, I, this is too much um, and I don't have the money for a bookkeeper quite yet, or if they're going to hire a new bookkeeper, what would be 
the one or two things as far as reports that you would want either on a monthly or quarterly basis to make sure you're not ending up like I did after that bad year, 60, 70 grand in the hole come the end of the season. Well, back to the budget, if you have put out your projections and you look each month at your budget versus actual, then you see how things are going, especially in seasonal when you're going to have great months and you're going to have not so great months. But if that's, if you're doing what you expected, then that's great. If you're doing better than expected, then that's fabulous. But if you're falling short, then you'll start seeing it on a regular basis. What I do for when I set up a, a budget or projection for a customer, projection for a client, I go back to what they did the previous year. And because, you know, the best way to look forward is to look and see what you did recently. I think Dr. Phil said that, but anyway, so, and you can take in QuickBooks, both online and desktop and create a budget by month based on prior periods. And then if you want, you can say, okay, now I have this laid out that this year is going to be exactly what it was last year. Now let's start making adjustments. We project that revenue is going to be up. 25%. You can increase each cell for each month by 25%. So you're going to have a corresponding increase in your cost of goods sold. So you're going to increase that by the appropriate amount. Then you can look and see how your, your projections lie. Is it good? Is it bad? Okay, great advice. And that it just, so I have some understanding as well as the viewers. So you're talking about increasing that on the the actual budget um, yes, yes. functionality in QuickBooks, and you can raise that as percentage and everything loads with the chart of accounts. Mm -hmm. Okay, beautiful. I just wanted to make sure that was clear if somebody was watching and had some disconnect. Um, so I know I know you obviously got a very compressed schedule, uh, Stephanie, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, but as we're finishing this, I guess, um, and you kind of hinted at it, I'm just kind of curious to your opinion or if you had some takes on it, working with different people with Service Autopilot. Um, maybe you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't, that's fine too. Um, you know, obviously we got the high level chart accounts. We're not getting too granular in QuickBooks, just like you said. Uh, we can sync those classes back and forth, um, mm -hmm. QuickBooks online or desktop with SA. Uh, now, what if we aren't hitting those numbers and we're making those adjustments? Are we uh, looking for a bookkeeper as a certified advisor that has some expertise, maybe pulling that job costing report out and maybe going in and saying, okay, well, if we're not hitting our numbers, where, where in this job costing report are we not hitting our $50 an hour or $45, whatever that projected goal is? Uh, I'm assuming as a certified advisor, that would be something that you'd be able to help people with and kind of uh, look at the overall high level data that SA puts out just to maybe see where maybe some of those, those, those points are. Maybe we're hemorrhaging cash on some clients and just making a killing mm -hmm. on others and make those mid-season mid adjustments. Absolutely. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, I, didn't want to I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, and I guess uh, I, I don't want to say, say what's going on to Dave Vonia, long time listener there, and uh, Marvin Sassolito. I'll watch it, uh, but um, I guess in closing too, and I don't want to leave the home cleaning industry out of this or any of the other service industries out of this, but I know uh, on Service Autopilot, I deal with a ton of uh, home cleaning companies, residential and commercial or both. Um, is there anything, I know we've been talking a lot about our seasonal businesses, but I don't want to leave my uh, guys and girls over in the home cleaning industry out of the conversation. Is there anything, if your service business is a solid 12 months and it's pretty much a reoccurring revenue stream where uh, we're doing a weekly clean, a bi-weekly clean, a deep clean, or a monthly clean. Uh, is there anything that you would imagine that would be a little bit different um, 
in the chart of accounts or anything we talked about for a non-seasonal business that we want to make make adjustments to? Um, no, just kind of looking at what you want to see in a report at the end of the day. I think in a more even-keeled business, um, looking at something monthly and looking at the margins very closely will point out also if there's accounting mistakes. I mean, people make mistakes. They they you know hit the wrong key or they might code something differently. This is for anybody. If you're looking at your financial statements at the end of each month, which includes the balance sheet too, don't leave that out, um, and there's been a mistake, it should red flag itself right there. You don't want to wait to the end of the year or even if it's too late, you know, you catch a major mistake and your taxes are closed. Okay, awesome. Great advice. Couldn't agree anymore. Um, Stephanie, obviously uh, a wealth of knowledge. If someone is looking to uh, find out more about your services, need some help with bookkeeping, different expertises, uh, especially with your background in the pest control and service industry, I think you're just a valuable, valuable resource um, to this community or anybody looking to get into this community as far as buying service autopilot. Uh, how can we find you? How do we reach out to you? Sure. You can go to my website, which is www.eliabusiness.com. And then obviously through SA, Service Autopilot, you can find me in the service, the certified advisors tab. And um, yeah, I look forward if anybody needs any advice or just wants to chat about something, I'd be perfectly willing to do that. Um, this is the first time I've done this, by the way. So I'm a little nervous and kind of all over the place. So I appreciate you uh, being gentle. <laughs> you know? I'm just a hot mess over here. My co-host Cody Owen is uh, throwing me to the world. <laughs> stuff you to tie up. So I'm running the technology the interview and uh, pretty much everything else in between. So you did fine. Loved it. Um, love to get you back on maybe uh, once a quarter or something like that. If there's certain sure. you're looking at for the upcoming tax season, any new um, things as far as maybe depreciating or accelerated depreciation, different things like that on equipment. Um, always, always a good, good idea to, to refresh on those new things as they're coming up um, and, and they're changing every day. So obviously hiring a qualified bookkeeper like Stephanie, she's on top of these things. That's what she's doing. Um, and I, I got a quick question here live. Dave, Dave Boyne wants to know any advice on getting literally thousands of receipts into QuickBooks? Um, yes, I would go. <laughs> I would go with a, a third party um, add-in. I love HubDoc, but there's there's a, there's a lot out there and they all do the same thing. But for HubDoc, Expensify, Receipt Bank, I can tell you with HubDoc, you can email a PDF file or you can upload a receipt. It actually will put that into QuickBooks for you and it learns. So for instance, if I put in a receipt for Exxon and charge it to fuel, every Exxon receipt it sees now will automatically go into fuel. You can override it, but it's gonna save you all that time. Um, it's a great practice to have. And then a key with that is that the PDF of that particular receipt is automatically attached to the QuickBooks file. So you will have it if you ever need to bring that up. That was, that was HubDoc you said, correct? HubDoc. Yep. Okay, awesome. Dave, hopefully that uh, answers your questions and uh, keeps you away from at least a couple hundred paper cuts. But uh, there we'll you go. <laughs> hopefully we'll keep it electronic and do a little scanning. Um, anything else in closing that you'd, you'd like to touch on? Um, and usually when we're, we're closing these up, we, we kind of put you on the spot. So I'm going to have to beat you up a little bit. Uh, is there any books or resources that we uh, this group loves to read or at least audio books? Is there any resources if they're looking to 
up their game and outlearn their competition as far as financial um, background and things like that you'd recommend, or maybe books they should read to have at least a better sense of knowledge when they're talking to a bookkeeper so they can at least act knowledgeable and know what they're talking about? Um, not necessarily for bookkeeping. I mean, I really have my whole life and career is, is behind me as far as what I know. I didn't just open up a book and learn it. I will tell you off topic. Um, I read a fantastic book called crowning the customer. And, um, it is something that every service, every somebody that owns or manages a service industry should read. And it's uh, by a gentleman in Ireland, and he has uh, quite an interesting background, but you can find it on Amazon. It's a quick read, and I would recommend that a business owner and all of their employees read it. It's called Crowning the Customer. Okay, awesome. Great advice. Uh, Char had a question, and, and I, I'm assuming, well, maybe you do know the, the answer to this. If not, um, I, I may be able to address it for her too. Uh, why doesn't my refunds in QuickBooks sync in SA, or do you know a trick? I don't know a trick for that because I know that that is an issue. Okay. Um, and Char, what I'll do is I'll reach out to uh, support offline and Tammy in my office does have a workaround. Um, I'll be completely honest. We only meet once a week and review the financials and double check it uh, to make sure we're on pace. I don't know the exact process she uses, but she does have some kind of ninja way of doing it. Um, <laughs> issue. Uh, but like you said, sometimes it, it, is Michael Gerber says something you got to be working on the business, not in the business. You still have to be attuned to the financials. Um, but if I had my head in QuickBooks all day, nothing else would get done. And it, it, it's scale. That is a full-time job. So whether it's an internal process or external process, um, for sure. I, I, I've evolved that, that full-time position in Callahan's lawn care uh, for the bookkeeping. But I, I tell you what, if I was going to do it all over again and I didn't have Tammy, um, and we just met by chance, she owns the building that we rent for our office. Uh, a, a service like Stephanie's it would be invaluable. And a lot of the companies I know, even two to three million and beyond, uh, are still utilizing an, ex an out of house um, bookkeeper. So uh, I think there's a lot of value to that. And feel free to reach out to Stephanie as well on the help tab or at her website. So, Steph, I appreciate it again. If you have any other closing thoughts, um, if not, Mike Callahan from New York. I got Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie, you're out of Boston, you said? Or? Pardon? Where are you out of Boston? But just south of Boston. All right. Well, Mike Callahan, Boston, Stephanie out just outside of Boston. Uh, next week, we're going to have um, two people lined up in the next consecutive two weeks. We've got Sean Adams, uh, another of the certified advisors, uh, killer, killer business consultant. And uh, we're going to have a special uh, either next week or the week after on virtual assistance, um, how to take quick or take basically SA and uh, have a virtual assistant run your office while if you're still in the field and you haven't scaled to a full-time office or Maybe you just don't want to manage an office. Uh, we've got a service that specializes in virtual assistance with um, service autopilot. So be a really interesting interview, how to go out and find a virtual VA, how to manage that and let them handle the, handle the inner workings of your office while you go out and grow and scale the business and concentrate on those things. So I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking to Sean Adams. We're going to be talking to uh, Pink Collars, a VA service. And um I'll let you guys in uh, next week of the week after we talk to Pink Collars. We've actually created a separate version of our automated packets for sales and employees that will actually line up perfectly with a VA um, to give them some more robust access to the automation so they can continue to automate your business while you're still out doing your thing and not worried about the office or your automation. So it should be a really interesting call. Steph, appreciate your time. Until next Thank week. Thank you. Next Wednesday, we'll see you then. Thank you. All right.
If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.